got the big man, the big baller on the Skype. His name is Warren Sharp with a money sign. You know he's sharp because the dude was 8-1 and one in his bets last week. I love when Warren wins. It makes me happy. Warren, I did not tell you this before we started recording. Uh, Mr. Mr. Joe Yanarella, who is a big boss out there in the BR betting world uh, for out there in Vegas, he wanted me to thank you uh, for the Titans Raiders over uh, personally. And I think a lot of people were hitting me up about I mean, Tannehill gave us that over like the first two quarters. What were your big hits? A lot of times I'll go, what happened today? I'd like you to talk about what went right. Well, what did you hit last week? Um, pretty much everything. Uh, (laughs) The the only thing I didn't hit, I hit a first half. Um, I hit a first half over that, uh, the second half didn't go. And we talked about the fact that I'm trying to bet a little bit more of these splits last week. That was what Rams Seahawks. Yes, exactly. And that was a crazy one where the Seahawks just, I don't know. They, they, it's, it's a frustration you have with them. They're way too conservative. I actually tweeted out before the game even started, how conservative these guys start games. They're one of the teams that come back. I think I should pull the tweet up actually, because it, it, it is important to understand how bad these guys are playing right now in terms of that conservative nature, because it is going to cost them. If, are you talking if, about if, the Seahawks right now? I'm talking about the Seahawks. What gotcha. did, did I say somebody else? No, I just, I think I zoned out. I apologize. Okay. Yeah, so Seattle has trailed in 11 of their 13 games. 11 of their 13 games they have trailed in. And prior to losing last game, they were 10-2. and two. So they trailed in 11, yet they've won 10. Other teams that have trailed in 11 or more are teams like the 1-12 Bengals and the 2-10 and 10 Giants and the 3-10, and 10, uh, well, now it's the 2-11 the and 11 Giants and the 3-10 and 10 Dolphins. Um, Seattle was 6-1 and one when trailing at half. Right. That there's only one other team with a winning record when trailing at half in games. I told you guys way earlier this offseason about how important it is to build that halftime lead. They are getting down at half and coming back and winning these games. Um, and so, so how, do, how do I use this? Because the first thing I'm thinking is this is like bizarro Colts from a few years ago where we went into last season and we knew that they could be better because how they were leading going into the fourth quarter of so many games, but not finishing. So I'm already thinking about 2020 and maybe thinking about a regression from the Seahawks for next year. But like, is this something for playoffs or going forward that maybe I should be more conservative of if the Seahawks are involved in a bet that I like? Absolutely. Um, going at, I'll tell you what, one of the, I, I, we talked about the Rams and how I liked the Rams on the show last week. I used yeah. them in teaser. Uh, because you could get them to seven. It was ridiculous. I, I don't rarely, I, I rarely use a seven point teaser, but I did in this case to get him to plus seven. Um, but we talked about how I like that side and how that's the sharp side of that game. And what a lot of the sharp guys actually did was bet the Rams in the first half on account of how poorly Seattle starts games. Um, and so that's what you could do I don't want to say just blanket like do yeah, that. Like they're playing Carolina this week, and I don't know if I want to get involved in that team at all. Well, the interesting part of that game, uh, the Carolina game, is this is one where I probably would pet uh, Carolina plus three and a half in the first half more so than take them plus six for the game because, look, I, I, I know some of that group there, and they're, they've got auditions going on. Mm. That 
coaching staff, the head coach, the OC, they're auditioning for David Tepper. And they, you but, know what? And last week's game was close. And then the Falcons ran away with it in the second half. But it was close with the Panthers in the first half. So that is interesting. So, and, and But the thing is, if you're looking at effort, if you're looking at energy, and you're like, well, Seattle's definitely going to bring it. They need this game. Carolina, they got pasted by that final score last week. Maybe they don't bring it. You don't want to be involved in like a full game with a team that you don't know is going to bring it. You'd, you'll think that if they do have any energy, if they do have any effort, it would be on display at home in the first half of that game. And I'll tell you what, in this offseason, this line was Carolina uh, plus three. Oh. And now it's up to plus six because of the way Carolina has trended, firing the coach, and the trending. But I think plus three and a half in the first half, if I wanted to back Carolina, would be the preferred method to do so. Warren, you bring up maybe my biggest question when it comes to wagering on NFL games at this time of the year. Half the teams in this league may be fading for a playoff spot. The other half, I don't know what they're fighting for. There are games in which there's two teams that are not going to make the playoffs playing each other. Typically, I'm more confident when there's a playoff team versus a non-playoff team. How do you approach this time of year when motivation is such an unknown and reading about it might not give you the answer? Well, I was actually going to say something you just mentioned uh, with, with the reading part. You have to do everything you can at this time of year to read into some of these situations, uh, to, to, to read information, articles, get whatever sources. Sometimes it's more important. Well, not sometimes. It is more important this time of year to extract as much as you can from that method of handicapping. As you know, some syndicate groups, they have a model guy who's the math guy. They have a reader guy who reads as much shit as they can. They yeah. have an, an injury guy who's extracting as much information about injuries. You know, there's a lot of different hats that some of these guys wear who work for syndicates that ultimately come up with what games so what are what are some quotes that you're looking for and that could be positive or negative like what are some things that maybe you've even seen this week well um i haven't played any sides yet this week so i don't want to lay anything too far out, right. out on the line last week i'll give you an example the cincinnati Bengals. that was a game that i took last week there was two sides that i took straight up ATS, uh, the San Francisco 49ers and the Cincinnati Bengals, and both of them covered. And with the Cincinnati Bengals, that was one. Hey, this team sucks. Their coach is not that good. Their scheme is not that good. But guess what? They stuck Andy Dalton back in there. And now the defense isn't on the field quite as long. And they've got a better attitude about things. And they're not giving the ball to the opponent in their own territory quite as much for short fields. So they're able to do a little bit more and rest a little bit more and feel a little bit more optimistic. And so though they have a shitty losing record in our one and 12 at the time, one and 11, they were actually uh, putting out the same level of effort as the Cleveland Browns who are trying to, you know, battle to right the ship there. So um, that was one example last week where it's a crappy team with a crappy record. And a lot of these guys, you might think, Hey, it's almost mid December. They just want, Christmas to be here uh, and the season to be over before the new year. Um, those guys were actually fighting uh, tooth and nail. So you do want to pay attention to a team that is the opposite is the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? It's like you can't bet on this team right now. They're dropping all these games by 20 plus points. Uh, does not look like they have the effort offensively. They went back. They, they 
when they stuck Nick Foles in there, it was like an infusion, just like Dalton. Hey, we got our quarterback back. Maybe we'll do well. And then Nick Foles did not do well at all. And then they went back to Gardner Minshew. And I think everybody's just like, fuck, man, this season is just we don't know what we're going to get out of Gardner. Is he the answer for the future? We don't know. But this team's going nowhere fast and they've been playing like it. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested. I, I really thought, and I'm, uh, we'll get to the EDSR in a second. We'll get to the biggest games of the weekend. I guess I'm surprised that Oakland isn't one of the trending EDSR mismatches this week. I thought Jacksonville would probably be like the worst EDSR team of all time. Oakland right now, six and a half point favorites. I feel like Oakland, after losing last week, but really being kind of turnover-based against a team like Jacksonville, who's in free fall right now, in Oakland, one of the last games that we're ever going to see in the Coliseum. I just thought that was going to show up in the EDSR mismatch, to be honest. Yeah, the, pr- the problem is Oakland's defense, if I even filter back, uh, and I just did because I built this model thanks to your advice, and I can um, adjust this very quickly. I just went back and looked at the last three weeks, and Oakland's defense is trending as the 31st on wow. EDSR the last three weeks. And their offense is trending as the 26th. So Jacksonville sucks, worst offense in the league, and 29th defense. But Oakland's not that much better. So um, that's the reasons that it's not popping there. That's it is interesting to think about where the Raiders were three weeks ago, where they were six and four in the New York with a chance to go seven and four, with a chance to go into Kansas City and maybe like take a run at this AFC West. And it's three straight losses. It's six and seven. Uh, at the same point, I think Oakland's exceeding expectations from like where we thought in the beginning of the year with the Antonio Brown saga. But it'll be interesting because any team that moves cities, I think, is up against it. Um, let us get to EDSR. Let me update how you did last week. Um, 4-0 traditional when that's factoring in the entire season statistics. 4-0 against the spread. Last week you had Minnesota over Detroit, Tennessee over Oakland. That one was gorgeous. Chargers over Jacksonville. We were worried about that one. And then the Chargers beat them by 30. Uh, and Atlanta over Carolina, that was a cover cover. Any notes about those games with traditional EDSR from last week? Um, not really. I mean, fading Jacksonville definitely was the way to go. And and that was the one game that showed up on both traditional yes. uh, and trending. So that was the one that was a match for both. Um, I was I was a little surprised, you know, with Minnesota covering such a big number, but yeah. they were able to get on closely. The number um, got down to 12 and a half uh, and they won by 13. So it worked out. Yeah. So uh, over overall, uh, um, yeah, a, a good week for both models, I think. Trending went three and one straight up last week, two and two against the spread. The wins, Chargers, the Rams, which was very nice, and the Jets uh, getting that last second win. The push, Indy uh, lost by three. The line was plus three against Tampa Bay. Again, we had a note with that, which was no wide receivers, no running back, weird offensive line situation. Uh, stay away from Indy. You did give that warning. Uh, and then the the loss was the Jets, who didn't win by enough over the Dolphins. Um, so overall, since we started doing this, and I think week six, I have an overall record factoring in both models at thirty-seven and ten, which is wah, gorgeous, and thirty twenty and one against the spread right now. 
How you feeling about those numbers when you hear them out loud? Uh, I'm feeling good, especially because we didn't really build this particular model to try to cover spreads. We built right. this model to just look for teams that are in mismatches. And um, the fact of the matter is EDSR is such a damn strong metric. Like I, when I researched and created it, it's the closest turnovers in terms of predicting wins and losses in games compared to any other statistic. Uh, having a lead at halftime is more strong than EDSR, but that's not a stat. That's yeah. just a fact. Can uh, right? can I can I start re- um, referring one, to – oh, what were you going to say? Sorry. Well, the one note I was just going to say is about last week on that Colts game. Um, that was actually the first time all season that I gave to clients a halftime wager. I typically am looking at things at halftime and making uh, rec- you know, wagers on halftime things, but um, I haven't been given to clients, and that was the first time because I looked at that game, I was watching that game, I was looking at the statistics, and the the Bucks were crushing them. The Bucks were crushing them, but they were down because of pick six and right. turnovers and bad luck. And so I laid Tampa minus three in the second half, um, they were obviously minus three for the game, but I laid minus three for the second half when they were down, and they end up winning by three. So they pushed, like you mentioned, the full game, but we won our second half wager there. So uh, that was all I was going to add to that. Yeah, you'll be proud of me. Monday night football, Eagles down seventeen to three, took that Eagles money line at plus four twenty five, and got a nice little. Uh, I'll tell you what, when your team comes back and win against a 2-11 and an 11 team, it's not that great. But when you make money, when you know they are going to, that's a beautiful feeling. Oh, it, it is great. It, it, if, they, if they come back to win in any by that margin, they have beat the odds. They have overcome time. I don't care how bad that team is. And, and guess what? The Giants, they didn't give the game away. They weren't turning the ball over, throwing no. interceptions and, and return fumble returns, punt returns, weird luck. The Eagles defense just stepped up. I don't know why the Giants stopped throwing the ball deep down the field, um, but they and they should have, and they probably would have won the game, but they stopped doing that. They went a little bit more conservative. The Eagles D stepped up, and their offense started to click, and Carson ended up having a really good fourth quarter in overtime. Let's take a look at the traditional EDSR mismatches for Week 15. Uh, this is... One, that's number one. It's a team that I've been worried about, but boy, have they been hot, and we were just talking about them. The number one traditional EDSR mismatch is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over the Detroit Lions. Uh, It looks like this spread has held steady uh, at Tampa Bay, favored by three and a half. This one is going to be inside. There is not going to be Mike Evans. He is out for the year, which is interesting. Um... Where do you stand with Tampa Bay Detroit? This is one of those games where typically I would have stayed away from because I have no idea what's going on, but it does seem like Tampa Bay has been the more motivated football team the last few weeks. Yeah, they're still playing hard for Bruce Arians. It helps when you got a coach that you love. Um, Bruce is a lovable coach. Um, they're, they're playing hard. I think Jameis has a lot to prove. Right? His his future um, is, is, is on the line. Yeah. He wants starting quarterback so he's trying to play well uh we have to see if he's going i think as of now it looks like he is um but we still have to monitor that and in addition you know yes they lost uh their number one wide receiver detroit also lost uh their number one wide receiver too um so uh 
I think I don't love it that he's out and we'll have to see if Jameis goes. But I personally would not feel comfortable laying points with Jameis on the road. Jameis is a great underdog. He's not traditionally a great favorite, especially right. on the road. So that's the concern here. Uh, what, what about this, Warren? I did notice that on the road, Buccaneers are 5-2 and two to the over, and at home, Detroit is 5-1 and one to the over. Now, of course, we're losing two weapons in this game, but at 46, is that a total that's interesting to you at all? It, it does have value as long as both these quarterbacks are going. Um, I could somebody that I'm familiar with bet the opposite way. They bet the under today at 46 and a half, dropped it down to 46 most spots. Right. Uh, yeah, the total started at 47 and a half. Yeah, and, and, and in large part, that's Jameis' uh, concern about the quarterback, concern about his health. Gotcha. Okay, uh, the second traditional EDSR mismatch, unfortunately, is going to be Thursday night football, which is going to be before this podcast comes out. Baltimore against the Jets. Uh, no surprise there. Baltimore, 16.5 point favorites. It started at 14.5. And, and for those listening on audio and not watching on Facebook, Warren Sharp is showing a cuff link, which is a Baltimore, Maryland crab, sent to him from a Baltimore, Maryland crab restaurant. Do you want to say their name? Um, no, nope. that's okay. Nice. Pay that man his money. Don't just give him free cufflinks. Um, do you want to guess what happened in the game last night? Uh, it, oh yeah. It, it, we're going to pretend like we're in Friday morning mode. Um, Let's take a guess. And if we're wrong, who cares? Yeah, I, I will. I will predict, uh, 30 to nine or 30 to 10 Baltimore. So you're rooting for the under. Okay. Uh, I'll go with, I'm going to go 33 to three Baltimore. And that's your breakdown of a game that already happened that we have no idea if we're correct. Third traditional biggest mismatch. This is factoring in all the statistics from the entire season, but then boiling it down to this week is the New England Patriots over the Cincinnati Bengals. And this game typically would have been a throwaway game. It started as New England favored by 11. It is down in most books I see at nine, nine and a half. I do see a 10. Uh, but it is coming down, and this is broiled in controversy because of the fact that cameras were apparently illegally recording the Bengals' sideline. And, Warren, I turn to you. Is there any betting impact from that story other than what we think about Belichick and what we think about the legacy of the Patriots? Is there anything that could impact wagering this weekend that story? Well, one thing we know from New England in the past was that when random stories like this came out, they took it personally. Uh, when, when, when they were viewed as like, oh, they have to cheat in order to win, they ratcheted up their game. You know, double middle finger to you guys. You think we got to cheat. We're going to win even bigger than what we normally do. Um, could that have been like intentional in order to ramp up the team a little bit after they've looked like shit for so long and they can't get the job done? I don't know. But here's my take, which is a little bit different than a lot of people's take on, on this scenario. I hope that there was nothing done intentionally. I hope this was just a pure accident, but Number one, I cannot give the Patriots the benefit of the doubt anymore. 
where you're like, oh, yeah, probably an innocent mistake. These guys are angels. Hell no. Um, number two, the reason I hate it so much, the reason I hate any type of thing like this, whether it's Spygate one, the deflating footballs thing, this issue is I want a clean game from an analyst perspective, from a handicapper's perspective. I don't want the referees fucking things up with totally wrong calls. I don't want the league's review process saying we're going to review pass interference and seeing clear pass interference and saying up, he didn't kill the guy and decapitate him. So we're not going to actually overturn this one. I hate shit like that. I want the game to be called the way that it is being played. I want no outside influences from cheating, from tampering, from illegal assistance. Independent variables. Yeah, exactly. I want to be able to understand what these teams are from statistics, what the coaching edges are, what the coaches might do. Um, what the motivational factors are. I want to do my reading. I want to understand what we could get from an effort perspective. And then I want to be able to predict this game's outcome. And as little as outside factors get involved, the better for me. Um, And so that's why I hate allegations of this. And I don't care what the team is. I don't want anybody gaining an upper hand. There's too many easy ways to gain upper hands because most coaches aren't smart enough. Most coaches aren't calling good games. Most coaches aren't incorporating enough analytics. So fucking do things the right way, figure out your edges and take advantage of them. And that's why I hope people are like, oh God, this guy, he hates the Patriots. I don't, I don't hate the Patriots. I bet on the Patriots. I bet against the Patriots. I bet over on their games. I bet under on their games. I don't care about the Patriots. I just don't want anybody in the league cheating. So that's why I'm hoping that there is nothing to this story at all, but I'm going to wait and see what the investigation uncovers. And I will say this, and, and I don't know if you guys covered this on the show earlier, supposedly, according to an ESPN report, the reason why Roger Goodell went so hard on the Patriots for Deflategate is because he went so light on the Patriots for Spygate, because that happened not long after he was made commissioner and Kraft kind of helped push him right. into the role and he felt some sort of allegiance there. So there wasn't a lot of talk about what was actually uncovered in Spygate. We had to find out a little bit later and they got rid of the tapes. Nobody ever saw those, all those types of things. I want this investigation to be as above board as possible. I want it to yeah, be. I, I saw a report, Warren, that a lot of NFL insiders in the NFL network thought this was going to go away and Goodell at a league meeting yesterday was like, oh, no, we're still investigating. So I think this seemed very small, but I'm very curious how, how much it grows in the coming weeks. Yeah, and, 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 and I hope it doesn't become a major story, but I do want to hear the resolution to this. I do want to see what was on those tapes, if possible, and, uh, and then I'd like to move forward. I don't want to dwell on something like this, but... It is a story. This is something Ingber and I were texting about, and I was laughing. If you're a dude or a woman, and you're accused of texting with somebody that you shouldn't have been texting with, and you look at your significant other, and you say, it's fine, I'll delete it, you know you're guilty. You know. Yeah, that was 
It's highly suspicious. I'll delete it. I'll delete it. What? That's ridiculous. I'll, I'll just get rid of the evidence. No, that's come on, man. Like, and that's why I think the Patriots, I always give them the benefit of the doubt in terms of their intelligence, not their intention. And with their intelligence, that's why I think it was planned. And it was there to distract us from something else, whether that up, something else is stealing Odell, whether that something else is no one asking questions about how Kansas City Chiefs uh, equipment got randomly sent to New Jersey. I have a lot of questions, but I just to blatantly set up a camera in front of somebody else and record the same shot for eight minutes. And then when questioned, go, I'll delete it. I just they're not that dumb. So since they're not dumb, what are they being smart about is my left conspiracy. And, and one other thing I'll add to this, and then we can move on. It, it, this was the exact, once they were researching what happened in Spygate, this is the exact storyline that came out with what the excuses were going to be if they got busted for Spygate. Just say that whatever you're recording is footage that we're going to use for a documentary. Um, and so that's the hard part that I have about it is uh, that's number one. And then number two is the simple fact that Oh, well, it was a different company. You know, this was a contractor. We have nothing to do with it. Yeah. Okay. Are you telling me that like somebody's not going to take that footage and give it to somebody else there who then is going to relay information to you? Like uh, I saw the uh, the radio interview. I heard, listened to the radio interview with Bill Belichick the morning after this happened, before it even became a big story. And he literally said 15 times, I have nothing to do with them. I don't know what they're doing. I'm completely independent. Like he was saying the exact same storyline that was probably prepared well in advance if they got caught too. It's a separate guy. I don't talk to those people. I have nothing to do with it. So, you know, it, it, it some of the story makes sense if you want to take them at their word because yeah. it's been well rehearsed and planned that this is what was going to happen. Again, I hope it was nothing. I hope we just wasted yeah. time talking about nothing, but it's a story right now. So. I do I do know one thing. If there is some form of trial, I would like the person to deliver the report to look exactly like you. If I can get a blazer and a mustache, uh, that's all I need. Because then I feel like it, I, I trust investigators with mustaches a lot more than clean shaven. I don't know why. I'm looking at yours right now. It's even. And so I, I go, if he could be that particular about that. I know he's going to be particular about this case. Let's move on. The oh, By the way, do you like the line for the Patriots since you talked about them ratcheting it up with double birds? Um, I kind of actually, if I was betting this game, personally, I would have liked Cincinnati plus 10. I think they're playing differently now. And I'm just a little skeptical of what this Patriots yeah. uh, offense has. I know Cincinnati's really good defensively. In the red zone, they're actually a better defense than some people. I feel like their D line starting to get back healthy. Like I'm starting to see Dunlap pop, and like guys that people didn't realize were missing for the first few weeks. And 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 where you can get them is by running on them. You could have success running the football, but the Patriots' run game is kind of off the rails right now. Yeah. So um, I don't think they can take advantage. R.I.P. Pat Devlin. All right, your fourth biggest traditional EDSR mismatch. Uh, is a team that is co- playing the Cincinnati Bengals as they were getting spied on. The Cleveland Browns taking on the Arizona Cardinals of the line that I see right now. It is in Arizona, typically a puff, tough place to play, but the Cleveland Browns are a two-and-a-half-point favorite in Arizona. 
Uh, Warren, you were the first person to ever tell me how hard it is to actually win in Arizona, but Kyler Murray has been banged up as of late, and he doesn't look the same. The Browns have won four of their last five, going 3-1-1 one, and one against the spread. The Cardinals have lost five in a row and have lost three in a row, uh, including the Steelers last week. What do you think about this mismatch, Warren? I, I like EDSR here. I very well may find myself on Cleveland underneath of three points. Um, I have very little confidence. A lot of the wise guys and, and sharp guys were trying to take Arizona last week against the Steelers. I definitely did not join that band. Um, they, they, some of them took them against the spread and teased them. Obviously, if you teased them, they ended up winning yep. because they came back and scored a touchdown late. Uh, but there, there's nothing in Arizona that makes me feel like uh, this is a team that can cover this short number. Um, and, and let's keep in mind, there's another storyline to this game, which is Baker versus Cliff. And I know that they say everything's all well and good. Yeah, but all but, Baker talks about is that he had to be a freaking walk-on, even though he was behind Patrick Mahomes. And we see right now that he's not Patrick Mahomes. He clear, That's clearly a chip on his shoulder. He, he holds grudges, and he typically does well the week that he jacks himself up for a game with a grudge. You know, Love remember it. the Hugh Jackson games, he crushed, and then the week after that, there was a massive emotional drain, and they were very bad. So, so Warren, I'm seeing right now, one you've already told me you kind of like Cleveland, the number started at 47, the total. I'm seeing it as high as 49 some places. And then when I look, Cleveland is uh, averaging – they're not that great scoring on the road, but Arizona at home is allowing 30 points per game. That number clearly has shot up in the last few days. Is, does the number still have value? Yeah, I, I actually like over 23 in the first half, which is not there anymore. It's 23 and a half. I actually even see some 24s. Um, at 49, I don't know about the total. I would look still to the 23 and a half if you can get it in the first half on this game. Okay. Uh, but I do like the over here as well. I think that um, one of the issues for the season is that Baker is struggling under pressure and the passing game is not clicking. But this Arizona Cardinals secondary is trash. You saw what Jared Goff did to it. That was one of their get-right games for the LA Rams. Um, they just can't cover guys. And I see a lot of opportunities to throw the ball down the field on the Arizona Cardinals here. I see Baker. He goes 5-0 season. Then he gets a little bit tweaked. This I'm talking about when he was at Texas Tech right. with Cliff Kingsbury. And then he never gets put back in the lineup. Uh, he goes with uh, Davis. What the hell is the guy's oh, first name? Oh, it was um, uh, from the Giants. Uh, Davis Webb. Davis Webb, yeah. So he went with Davis Webb instead because Davis Webb was the prototypical tall, big quarterback. And Supposedly, as the story goes, and Cliff cor uh, corroborates this, there was no discussion with Baker as to why he wasn't going back in. They just went with Davis Webb. The team ended up sucking. They lost a bunch of games. Then, of course, the next year they bring in Patrick Mahomes and Baker goes to Oklahoma. But um, I don't see Baker. Baker says he's over it. He was a young kid then, and it's not a big deal. But look, if he can put up some points on Cliff, if he could win this, he's not going to want to lose to Cliff. I don't care if he says he's over it or not. Uh, so I like Cleveland ATS. I like the over in this game. 
Uh, all right, so now let's move to trending EDSR, which is factoring in the last four weeks and focusing more of a, an importance on that than this season as a whole, because as we we all know, uh, the first four weeks of the year, the Dallas Cowboys were incredible. The last four weeks of the year, it's a different freaking team. The number one EDSR mismatch this week is Philadelphia against Washington. And... I don't know why this is scaring me, probably because the last time they were the number one EDSR mismatch, they found a way to lose to the Dolphins. Uh, The Washington Redskins, their last game was a little bit clunky against Green Bay. Dwayne Haskins got hurt around his ankle or foot and became very immobile. Darius Geis is now on the IR. It is Adrian Peterson. It is Terry McLaurin. But the Washington defense has been okay the last few weeks. I think they did well against Carolina. Uh, They were not that bad against Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay. And Philadelphia, I don't know what players they're putting out there. It might be Boston Scott. It might be Greg Ward Jr. It might be Josh Perkins, who I know there's a lot of Josh Perkins jerseys out there right now. Uh, But this is a team that's trying to make a run at the NFC East. Uh, What do you think about them having the number one EDSR mismatch in terms of trending? I agree with you. It is scary. There are ways that they can beat this defense, though. There are opportunities for them. Um, I think there's enough edges for their offense, but you're right. I mean, now you don't have Alshon Jeffrey. Yep, I forgot he's on the IR. Have at wide receiver. Um, Is Nelson Aguilar even healthy? If he's healthy, is he even good? Um, So, like, what really are you bringing to bear that's going to scare the Redskins' defense, right? So, um, yeah, if, right feel- now the Eagles offense is double tight end sets where Goddard follows Ertz across the middle, and if you don't guard one, they throw it they throw it to him. It's the occasional lob to J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, who was supposed to be a, a jump ball guy, and we've seen one. And, and really what we saw last game was it's going to be screens, dump-offs to Sanders and Boston Scott. That's like the majority of this offense right now. And Greg Minuski's a really good D.C., He's going to figure that out. And Washington has played the Eagles very tough the last few years. A lot of the lines, a lot of the finishes have been inflated like season opener two years ago. Fletcher Cox takes a fumble return to the house and takes a seven-point win to a 14-point win. But it's usually close between these teams. Yes, it is. And here's my concern. Um, the Redskins are very good at defending running back passes. The Redskins are very good at defending any pass behind the line of scrimmage. So you throw it short, they're really good at rallying to the football. Mm. So the Eagles need to throw the ball a little bit more down the field. And then the question is, who do they got to do that? Um, So I hope if they do target running backs, they do so a little bit more down the field. But we know the two things the Redskins want to do is play conservatively and run the football. We know the Eagles have been good at that, but we also know it tends to shorten the game, keep it closer. Team A is closer in score to Team B. Um, And then the other thing that we know is the Eagles, for several weeks now, even though they got some guys healthy back in their secondary, very susceptible to deep shots over the top. Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin. So this is, he burned them in week one. Yeah, he did. And it's a massive concern here. Uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles. You you can't afford to get down for a second straight week and hope to rally back this time on the road in Washington is a little bit different than 
doing it at home in the rain against Eli. And yeah. I know I, I don't like the quarterback for the Redskins, Dwayne Haskins, but it only takes a you can throw the ball deep eight times and hit on one or two and boom, you get 10 points out of it. Um, the Eagles offense is just struggling right now with injuries. So, yeah, I'm I, seeing it. I'm seeing a total of 39 and I'm like, how many Terry McLaurin bombs are actually going to get off? Uh, and even though that number has a three in front, I still would take the under there. Yeah, it would have been nice to see a 21 in the first half. I will be honest there. 21. What, what is uh, the first, first half number? It's, uh, you can get some 20s or 19 and a half. Yeah, that's too low. Yeah, remember, Case Keenum was beating this Eagles team in the first half 17 and nothing. And if in the third quarter he connected with Terry McLaurin instead of overthrowing it, the Eagles would have lost that game. They would have gone up 24 to 7. He missed it. Carson Wentz led a furious comeback. The Eagles came back in that game, and that was when they hit multiple deep bombs to Deshaun Jackson, who is obviously not here. They had a healthy contingent of wide receivers. They don't have the ability to hit deep passes. Um, Carson threw a couple of dimes, uh, but the receivers just weren't good enough to catch him in the game against the, Reds, uh, the Giants on Monday. Your second trending EDSR mass mismatch, which again is, is hyper-focusing on the last four weeks, is going to be the team that we were able to capitalize on last week as well, the Tennessee Titans, in a massive matchup that's one of our biggest games of the weekend, so we can get into that game right now, really. But Tennessee taking on the Texans. It is in Tennessee. They are favored by three. They are both eight and five. They are fighting it out for the AFC South. And Ryan Tannehill is the talk of the town after dicing up the Raiders, dicing up the Colts, and really launching this team into the playoff race. And they're the number two EDSR mismatch when you factor in trending, Warren. Yeah, they are. Um, and it, it's for good. It's no real surprise, right? We know what the Tennessee offense has been doing. But I think um, secretly uh, what Tennessee's been getting lucky with is they've been playing crappy offenses. Mm. Uh, let's let's look back at the Jacksonville Jaguars offense uh, that they beat in week 12. Uh, we know what they are now. Let's look next week at the Indianapolis Colts offense, who uh, should Decimated have made it with injury, injuries. Yeah, they were out number one wide receiver, number one tight end, number one running back. They had Jacoby Brissett, a quarterback. If Vinatieri doesn't if they cut Vinatieri or push him to IR or whatever the week before, and they have a real kicker in the scoring 29 points here, but they only scored 17. Um, and then last week against the Oakland Raiders, uh, Oakland was without Hunter Renfro. They're without their number one running back. Um, and Derek Carr is just freaking regressing back into what we know Derek Carr is, which is a quarterback who checked will down look Charlie some weeks and bad other weeks. And, uh, they should have had more than 21 points in that game, but they had 21. What was it? It was 21 to 21 at one point. Yeah. Uh, game. So, look, I I see an explosion spot for both offenses here. This is my. I bet this thing over 48 for the for the 33 percent that are not customers and that see this game now and is it 50 and a half or 51? Just know that we took this way earlier in the week at 48 and a lot of games that we take early in the week are going to move a fair amount. Um, I actually think the right number for this game is just above 51, but there's not a ton of value to take the over when it's at 51. 
So maybe a 50, maybe a 50 and a half. You could put a small, small nibble, very small. But um, we have 48 in our back pocket. Um, so right now you would advise watch the number, hopefully because it started at 47 and a half and it's all the way up now to 50 and 51 at Bavada. You, you got to hope for a market correction for some sharps that are going to go, man, that's a, that's a five and a, that's a four and a half point swing. Let me bet this down. So we got to wait if we want the value in the number there. Yeah. The look, there's a way that it could be, it could get come down if, uh, the speed burner for the Texans out of this cold medicine. Will Fuller. Will Fuller. If Fuller gets cleared to play, then I don't see this thing coming down that much, except for the syndicates or groups who always think the original line by the lines maker is correct and will come back because this thing opened up 47 and a half and bet it back down towards that. Uh, but if Fuller gets announced as out, which, you know, they, they like to be very secretive of their injuries in Houston, just like O'Brien. Belichick in New England. Um, if Fuller gets announced out later in the week, you could get a little bit of under money here. Um, I like this thing over regardless of whether he's there or not. We talk about the Titans offense. Um, one of the reasons why I like the over last week, there's two key reasons. Number one, the Oakland Raiders suck in the red zone. They're the worst red zone defense in the NFL. And Tennessee is, guess what? Number one. And even with Marcus Mariota playing the first six weeks. But guess who's uh, number two in terms of the worst defense in the NFL? It's the Houston Texans awesome. in the red zone. The Texans rank number 31. The other thing that we liked about the over was that the Oakland Raiders give up explosive plays like a champion. They run game, pass game, allowing a lot of explosive plays. Guess where the uh, Houston Texans defense ranks? Number 27 in explosive passes, number 26 in explosive runs. Um, their secondary is banged up. The Titans secondary is also banged up, though. And on the flip side of things, I just mentioned that some of the crappy offenses that the Titans have been playing. Look at the good defenses that the Texans have been playing. Now, the last four games, they played the number one Patriots, which you, me, the 33 percent know they're overrated. Yep. But they still in as number one. Baltimore is number three. Denver is number 12. And Indy is number 14. They play in all these top 15 defenses, two in the top 10. And now they get to go up against number 23, Tennessee. I think that in a must-win game, a really important game for the division, playoffs, et cetera, that we're going to see downfield stuff. We're going to see – they've talked about it in Houston. They want to get more aggressive in the first quarter. They, they, they don't understand why they're not doing as well in the first quarter. So I tweeted this out yesterday. This is pretty funny. Okay, I did the research. Bill O'Brien on the slow start. We talk about starting fast, but talk is cheap. This is what he's saying. Guess what he's calling? He's the freaking play caller. Guess what he's calling? On early downs, when they're on a, in opponent territory, they run the ball 50% of the time, even though their run game ranks number 27th in yards per carry. They're averaging 3.2 yards per carry on early downs. And number 25 in success rate. So they stink running the ball, but on first and second downs, they're running it 50% of the time. And number two, they're not throwing the ball deep. They're not being aggressive all season long. Can you believe this? All season long, five deep passes 
on early downs in that first quarter when they're in opposing territory. And by deep, I'm not saying 20 plus, I'm only saying 15 plus yards down the field. Five all year. Guess how many of those were completions on routes that were drawn up well? Zero. Oh. They don't have a single completion down the field of 15 plus yards. So they got to figure out their play calling, get a little bit more aggressive, drop some better plays. Maybe Bill O'Brien does it this week. We'll have to see. I want to th- one quick question about Tannehill because I think he's been the story du jour um, and the discussion about whether or not they should extend him. Um, and there were stories about how they might franchise tag him, but now they might even extend him. I thought Stephen Ruiz of USA Today had a very good article about why they should not factoring in Miami and how this will likely regress. But I thought the one argument he made that made the most sense to me was a chart of deep passes, passes 20 yards or more, and the the amount of times he throws a catchable ball and the percentage of times that his wide receiver catches it. Like the quarterback that's actually throwing the most catchable passes that's not being caught is Jacoby Brissett, which I thought was very interesting. Jimmy Garoppolo was right there. But the interesting stat about Tannehill is he's been the least accurate quarterback in the league on deep throws, but the Titans receivers have caught every single catchable pass. So 100% of the time he's thrown it deep, they've caught it. But he's been the least accurate deep ball thrower. This was all an argument as to why these numbers with Tannehill might be inflated and it might not continue. That's factoring in long-term and next season, Warren. But, like, do I start thinking about regression this season? Or, like, how, how, do, I, how do I weigh that in? Well, yes. Um, if you look at the defenses that Ryan Tannehill has faced, um, fortunately, the Titans are bad and their secondary is bad, and he plays them two out of the next three games. No, he's Will, on the Titans. You mean Texans. I'm sorry, Texans. They play okay. in two out of the next three games. Will he regress in terms of going back to the league average? Probably not. Will he continue to have a 100% completion rate? Probably not as well. So yeah. um, the, the PFF came out with an article talking about how Tannehill was actually, like it kind of, I don't think it was in response to the Ruiz article you're mentioning, but it was saying how Tannehill was doing really well. And like this could continue for a variety of reasons. So uh, there's a couple different schools of thought. I believe in regression. I believe that that is ultimately what we'll see here. Uh, But I don't think down to the league average at the present moment when you factor in the defenses that they're going to face. They do play the New Orleans Saints. It's in Tennessee. That's their week 16 game. Um, but And New Orleans has a good defense, but I still think you could pick on that secondary a little bit uh, as San Francisco showed. Agreed. All right, so the number three and number four trending EDSR mismatches are teams that we saw in the traditional. So buckle up and circle because we've seen that typically that's a good sign. Number three, Tampa Bay. They were their number three in trending. They were number one in traditional, again, taking on Detroit. Number four, Cleveland. Number four in traditional. Number four in uh, trending as well. And we'll see how they can do against Arizona. But you liked Cleveland earlier. They show up in both. Um, are you bullish on both of those teams? Or are you a little bit more wary with Tampa? Uh, yeah, I'm a little bit more wary with Tampa laying points on the road. You're laying points on the road in both of these. Uh, they're short favorites. You know, the model isn't taking any of that into consideration. It's just saying 
team A is better than team B, and typically a road team might be catching points. So in this case, you're laying with the Bucks, you're laying three and a half. With the Browns, you're laying two and a half. So that's you're not crossing through that key number. Um, and I kind of I just think the matchup is better for Cleveland, um, and I have a little bit more confidence in what that offense is going to deliver against that secondary, whereas I think the Lions secondary is a little bit better. So if, let's say, Jameis scares some people, who would be the fifth trending EDSR that maybe we could factor in here, especially if it's an upset? The Chargers. The Chargers, that's not a game that we're going to talk about. It was supposed to be the Sunday night game. It was right. They're taking on the Vikings. At, they're playing at home, so they don't really have a home field advantage. But and they are two ca- and a half point dogs. Yeah. So there's two ways to play it: by the hook, take the Chargers plus three. I know that is a very sharp play. The other way is tease them through the three and through the seven. I know that is a very sharp play as well. You have to pair it with somebody. There's a team I think is a little bit juicy out there, um, but. We won't talk about them, um, but it's the opportunity. Man, you said that. Now, I need to know who that team is. You can tell me afterwards. Yeah, I'll tell you afterwards. But but I do think that there's the opportunity here for the Chargers to really play the Vikings close here. I think the Vikings are getting back Adam Thielen, and that's one of the reasons why this game saw a little bit of uptick in the total. Um, it opened at 46 got that down to 44 and a half. Now it's back up to 45 and a half with the news of Thielen. Um, I, I, I see the Chargers. You always got the Phillip Rivers risk factor involved. But on that teaser, how many games does Phillip Rivers lose by big margins, right? It seems like he's always in a one-score game in the fourth quarter trying to drive for the tie or for the lead. And so that's why it's so nice to have him plus eight in a, in a game like this or plus eight and a half when you use the six-point teaser um, because you know if he's in that one-score game. Also, just this is just this is Lefko knowledge. This is Lefko thoughts right here. Uh, they did, the Vikings didn't look that great against Detroit last week. Like, they really didn't. Like, they let the, the, the Lions hang around the entire game. They won that game by 13. They should have won that game by 30. And also... Next week, Monday night, Vikings-Packers, NFC North on the line. And now they're going across the country at a 4 o'clock game, so their body's all messed up, taking on the Chargers, a team that Phillip Rivers is never going to let this team die. This is a team that still thought they could play in the playoffs, so they're going to fight like that. This might be their super – like, this is the classic look-ahead game for the Vikings from my perspective. And then people are going to go – are the Vikings better without Adam Thielen? Like, that's what I feel like is going to happen on Monday. It, it, it very well could. I don't know that anybody with a brain will think they're better without Adam Thielen. Of but course. I think that they, they'll think this was a afterwards. They'll say, yeah, man, this was a flat spot. But guess what? They could have afforded to lose that game. The game they really need is this game against the Packers next right. week. Like, it, it's kind of the similar situation to, let's say, Dallas, right? If Dallas loses this game against the Rams at home as an underdog, people are going to be like, yeah, that really sucks. And and actually, we're going to be talking about this game next. They're going to say, yeah, that really sucks. But guess what? They don't need this game. They need the game next week against the Eagles. And then to win week 17, if they win both of those, they're in the playoffs. 
And that's why I want to take advantage when people don't care. So the biggest game is the weekend. I think the 1 o'clock is Texans-Titans. We already broke that down. Warren sees some value in a lot of points being scored. Not great defenses. Explosive offenses. If Will Fuller plays for Houston, they're a different team. Deshaun Watson is like averaging so much more yards and touchdowns. 425, it is the game you just alluded to. It is the Rams at the Cowboys. This game started at Dallas favored by three. Am I? No. Did it really? It started at Dallas favored by three, and right now the Rams are favored by one and a half? Very early. That was the line, I believe, that came out before the Rams beat Seattle. Gotcha. And then it came out the original, the the next opening line was Dallas favored by one, and then it's flipped the number, it's crossed the number to the Rams now favored by one and a half. Where would you like to start with this big matchup at 425? Um, I think, I think you got to start with the motivation factor and the coaching factor. You know, that's where there's two opposites here. Um, the motivation factor, uh, should be that we need the game next week against the Eagles and we need to be purring and humming well when we get to that game. But from a coaching perspective, after the losses they've suffered and after Jerry Jones keeps going on the radio, the game (laughs) few days after the games. I mean, what owners have like weekly radio spots where they, they get interviewed after the game, every single game and have the opportunity to talk trash. And then a couple days later they go on the radio and have more opportunities to talk trash. Um, so, you know, Jason Garrett, that team very much so on the hot seat, they don't want to lose and drop this game. Um, so it's, it's hard, right? Like they don't need it, but in some cases for their, egos and their uh, confidence and not wanting to be displeasing to the owner, they do need it. Mm. The other thing here is line value. And that's one of the biggest things that we look for as sports bettors. Definitely. uh, Is, is there line value in the Rams? And when you should have been catching three, but all of a sudden you blow out the Seattle Seahawks and now you're laying a point to a point and a half. There's no line value here on the Rams. There is none. It's a very much so a public side. But the Sharp guys also came in early taking the Rams when they were plus and a little bit plus three. Um, so at low limits, mind you, but they were doing some of that. Um, so I think some of those guys may end up buying back on Dallas later in the week. But. There, there, there's no value to me to go out there and lay a point to a point and a half on the Rams. That being said, I don't like the Cowboys here. Good. I really don't. It would be, a, it would be a, a pinch your nose and just take the line value and take the Cowboys if you were to play Dallas or tease them. But I just, th- from a matchup perspective, look, let's look at what the Rams have played. Let's look at what the Rams have played in terms of the opposition, the opposing um, teams that the Rams have played. Yeah, their last five weeks have been pretty tough. The, the last five weeks have been brutal. If you look at the defenses that the Rams have played recently, they're taking on teams like the Seattle Seahawks, who I think their defense is a little bit overrated. Arizona stinks. They crush them, right? Before that, the Ravens the Bears, the Steelers in consecutive weeks, all of those teams ranked top seven in the NFL in terms of 
defensive efficiency. Now you got the Cowboys, who are a bad defense. They were in 22 in the league, near bottom 10. Um, they really haven't played many good offenses. You know, the way to judge on, on the surface, if you need, if you want to look at strength of schedule, you, you go to sharpfootballstats.com. You can yep. find it there free. If you don't want to go to sharpfootballstats.com, most of the team's schedule is going to be decided by their division. So late in the season, just think what is the NFC East. Look at those offenses. The Eagles aren't doing well. The Redskins suck. The Giants suck. So what do you think the Cowboys' defense has played? They've played the fourth easiest schedule of opposing offenses and the second easiest schedule of opposing run offenses. Um, So they haven't played anybody, and it's another spot for the Rams. But And the Rams need this game. The Rams need this game for playoff potential. Um, So I do think their offense should have some success here. But their defense has been playing really good and really stepping up. Let me also say this. Rams faced the Cowboys in the playoffs last year, hung up 30 points. Two years ago, they went into Jerry World. They put up 35 points. Then you look at the Rams this season. Surprisingly, even though they've had a a 50-50 season, it feels like, they're one of the best teams to bet on the NFL, 9-4 and four against the spread. And also, on the road, they're 5-1 and one against the spread. So they're 9-4 and four total, 5-1 and one on the road. That means they're 4-3 and three at home. This team is performing better on the road, and they face the Cowboys twice and they're in the last two years, and they're averaging 32.5 points per game. And they're fighting for a playoff spot, and the Cowboys might be thinking ahead to the Eagles. But I agree, when it crosses the number... Adds a little. It, the value isn't there. What about the to- any any possibility with the total here, or is this Jason Garrett slash uh, young guy offense? I forget his name. Um, what's the guy's name? OC Boise hey. State. Say it again. Oh, you're not talking about the Rams. No, a Cowboys offensive coordinator. I'm an idiot. Oh, um, yeah, the quarterback. Yeah, this cold medicine's messing both of us up. Google that. Like, uh, what so do you think my about model the total? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Kellen Moore. That's Thank it. you. Damn it. Uh, my, my model doesn't like the over here. Normally, you would look at the Cowboys. They're a massive over team. But the math just doesn't support okay. the over. But that's primarily, in my opinion, being very much influenced by the great defenses that both of these teams have been playing of late. Dallas is off of games of the Patriots, the Bills and the Bears defenses. Now they didn't do particularly good in those games offensively, but um, you know they had opportunities in the Bills game. They just completely squandered them. They had like six drives into the 35-yard line of the Bills and walked away with three total points. I think it was ridiculous on those drives. Um, I think that I probably will do nothing with this total. Um, I'm just. I will say this. There is one interesting uh, nugget that I picked up on. You know, the uh, Rams played the Cowboys in last year's playoffs. You mentioned that, and there's a little bit of revenge here. The one interesting thing about this game is that they had a tell on the way some of the Dallas Cowboys defensive linemen were lining up. Because of Joe Barry, right? Joe Barry is Rod Marinelli's son-in-law or something like that? And Joe Barry works on the Rams. Isn't this a thing? I'm, I'm not sure about the... the I'll, I'll check, but you keep going. Backstory. So it was based upon the way that there was hand placement 
and positioning in terms of shading a little bit further in the gap versus not as far. And the Rams offensive line would be able to figure out whether the Cowboys were stunting on this particular rush or they were being they were coming up straight. They would figure out that before the snap and it really helped their run game out. That story got out last offseason um, and you would think that the Cowboys may have tried to correct uh, some of those things, particularly if they didn't already this year uh, for this game, they would be on the ball. Yes. So Joe Barry, who works on the Rams on the defensive staff, is the son-in-law of Rod Mirinelli, the defensive coordinator of the Cowboys. Also remember that with two minutes and 30 seconds left in that playoff game, the Rams were winning 30-15. to 15. And it was one of the greatest bad beats for some people ever when the Cowboys scored and then I believe, no, they did not. They just they got the extra point and ruined that eight-point line. But also, this was the big C.J. Anderson game. 123 yards, two touchdowns, and what we're seeing out of the Rams right now is going, Todd Gurley, I know that we gave you a lot of money, but instead of saving you for 10 years, we're going we're gonna to use you for the four. And the way they've been using Todd Gurley the last two weeks against a Cowboys defensive line that I've been talking about a lot this year getting thinner, getting weaker as the season goes on, not having nearly as much depth that they've had as in years past. And, like, Jalen Ramsey can shut down Amari Cooper. This one just, I understand why the number flipped to the Rams. There's just, like, when Sean McVay has seen a team twice in two years and has done this, I think that's going to continue. Just a little me. Yeah, and, and the problem is it's, it's just the Cowboys, right? You, I, I still can't get past the fact that the Cowboys – defense is not good against bad offenses to begin with. So, I mean, look last week, Mitch Trubisky. I know the Bears have turned things around. I'm very happy for them. I could, I really could not be happier that Mitch Trubisky uh, is, is playing better right now and that Matt Nagy is coaching better right now. I, I really was hoping that thing did not end the way that it started this season. Um, but when you're allowing 31 points to that offense, uh, in, in its current form, that is a big, big red flag. And, you know, the Bills on the road also had success here. Josh yeah. Allen, limited receiving weapons. They put up 26. So it's going to be hard for Dallas to, to, to shut these guys down. Dallas is probably going to be at a game where they're going to have to match them for score yeah. and, and click offensively. And I just don't know if I have enough confidence like that offense has the weapons, it has the talent, but this has never really been about the talent for the Cowboys. Ever about the coaching, it's about the decision making, it's about the distaste for wanting to call things as optimally as possible because you want to do it the way that you've been doing it, as opposed to trying to figure out what could improve things. And um, they did get Kellen Moore involved, so that was a positive, but. That seemed to be a very short-term positive, and they've regressed to a little bit less efficient style of play of late. So that's where you've got to say they can come in and score enough, but do you have confidence that they will? That's the question. Fantasy guy to focus on is uh, Tyler Higby, who's been incredible the last two weeks, but the Cowboys, I believe, have permitted the six most receptions to tight ends Higby, elite number one tight end. Uh, just add a little DFS or maybe some fantasy. You mentioned the Bills. That's the last game we're going to talk about. 820. This is the game that got flexed to 820 to replace Vikings Chargers. 
Bills, Steelers. We've become a very Bills-centric podcast when it comes to betting. Uh, and I, I don't know if we haven't figured out. They're definitely more up-tempo. Uh, and I think that the Hayden Hurst touchdown really threw that threw a wrench into the Bills' offensive game plan when they went down 17-6, to and it was a lot more passing. But this is... Two of the best run def- two of the best defenses in the NFL uh, currently. Steelers wildly talented. Bills talented, but also with a phenomenal scheme. And right now the number is at 36, which is, I believe, the lowest number I've seen all season. So Bills, Steelers, where do you want to go on Sunday night, Warren? Yeah, I think um, again, the play that I would be looking at. Well, actually, I didn't I didn't talk about this one. Um so if we're talking about this one, I might as well share it um, because you wanted me to tell you afterwards anyway. Oh. This, is the second, this is the second leg of that teaser that I was talking about earlier. Um, if you look at this total, super low, okay? So points are expected to be at a premium. When points are expected to be at a premium, teasing points becomes more valuable. So... This is a sharp school nugget for you guys. Dig it. If you have a 55-point total out there, teasing through the three and the seven, while still the best way to tease, is not quite as valuable as when you've got a 36-point total because points are more at a premium. So that three is going to be worth more and the seven is going to be worth more. And when you look at this game, I'll, I'll dig into coaching a little bit more, but when you look at this game on the surface, it is hard for me not to see a Steelers-Ravens game here. It is hard for me not to see two good defenses, two good defensive coaches, teams that need to win this game, battling it out. And regardless of what happens in the first quarter, regardless of what happens by halftime, somebody's winning this game by three points. That's the way the Steelers-Ravens games always seem to go. Somebody's winning by three points, and... I expect a similar result here. I think somebody's winning by three points. I don't know which team, um, but that's why I like the Bills. Plus eight in a six-point teaser. Uh, if you have to use six and a half, fine. Get them to that eight number. Uh, you can take it to seven and a half if you want, but I think they make a perfect teaser, them and the Chargers. Let's talk about coaching a little bit more, though. Please. I really like Sean McDermott. As much as I like Sean McDermott as a coach and dislike Mike Tomlin, I think Tomlin probably should win coach of the year this year, right? Like, I don't know what no. you're. I'm John no? Harbaugh. Okay. I, I just, my, and I, I didn't get a chance to say this before. Mike Tomlin's been great. I thought uh, Sean McDermott's been great. I thought Kyle Shanahan's been great. I just, we always want to reward the coach that takes the shitty team and makes them an average team. And I am someone that wants to take the average team and makes them an elite team. There's just too many times where I see the coach finishing with a nine and seven record. And I just look at things like regression and bounce backs and like Pittsburgh was set up to have a pretty good year. To be honest, their schedule has been kind of easy as of late. They've needed a quarterback that can score 16 points a game. And I understood he kept the ship together. But John Harbaugh's going for a Super Bowl, and Mike Tomlin's not. And that's why I respect Mike Tomlin, and what he's done losing all those pieces has been great. But it's not like Baltimore hasn't had any injuries. It's not like they didn't play the first half of the year with one cornerback on the roster. It's not like Lamar Jackson was guaranteed to be this guy. So that's just my rant about we always 
reward the below average guy that made a chance to be average instead of the average guy that became elite. That's my argument. Well, I would, I would, it's rare, but I'm, I'm disagreeing completely with you. Okay. Um, my, my take, like, look, here's part of my issue is that I was not a Baltimore Ravens doubter. I was massively pounding the drum for the Ravens. I expected greatness out of this team. And I, They're, but I also think you should factor that in to what you're about to say. Well, so I expected them to be great. The change that was made for this team was made last year. The risks that John Harbaugh took were took in 2018 when he completely overhauled that team and stuck Lamar Jackson in there. And I love the job that John Harbaugh is doing. And I can't say, be more effusive with my praise for John Harbaugh. And if if he could win like the my favorite coach this year, he probably would. He is my favorite coach this year. But in terms of the guy who I, I hear you, the Ravens odds maker said number three in the division, Steelers number one, yeah. actually Steelers number two, Browns number one. How funny is that? Um, I said Ravens win the division and I don't like the Steelers to win the division. Right. And then also Ben Roethlisberger goes out and gets hurt week two and is done for the year. And you're without your starting quarterback. Who's an all pro who's won Super Bowls for you. Uh, you don't have a B you don't have Lev Bell. Um, the Ravens, I, I, I hear you. You're trying to say that the Ravens lost some cornerbacks early. They also lost those games, right? They lost to the chiefs. They lost to the Browns. Then they go out and they make some trades. They acquire some secondary. Their cornerbacks get healthy and they're stomping on people. And I'm not going to say anything negative about the Ravens whatsoever because I love this team. I've on them well before anybody else in the public specter. You and me both have like pounded the drum for the Ravens. But doing more with less is something that I don't expect out of Mike Tomlin. This has historically been a team that are massive underachievers that have a lot of talent that don't live up to it. And that completely flipped this year. They don't have the talent. They're working with an undrafted fourth string quarterback and they don't have their running backs. They're in and out of the lineup. Juju Smith, they lost their number one AB. They lost Juju Smith for much of the season. Uh, They lost their tight end from last year. Like this is a team demolished by injuries, except their defense. Their defense has been good, but their offense has been terrible. And as funny as all of that sounds, right, I'm way bigger on the Ravens to do something. And I think the Steelers are somewhat fraud. But I still think Mike Tomlin with doing more with less. And that's what I view a coach to do. I think John Harbaugh built his machine last year. He drove it this year. And you see him on the sidelines. He's having fun. He's Lamar on the back. You're doing such a great job. Keep it up. Like, I don't want to say he's in cruise control. He's doing a great job working their ass off. But he's got so many things around him to support him from the analytics side, from a talent side, yeah. from the defensive side and coaching other other guys coming in and helping with the assistants and whatnot. Whereas I think Mike Tomlin just does not have a support from analytics. He does not have a support from injuries. You don't and like his defensive coordinator. C sucks. So <laughs> I just think that uh, he's done a great job. But I, I don't care if, if Harbaugh wins yeah. it. I, I'm certainly not going to say 
Tomlin's the better coach. But in this game, this game, that's what I was kind of leading to. Yeah. While I think Tomlin, in my book, has done the most with the least and should be up for coach of the year, I don't like his coaching staff against Sean McDermott's. I love Sean McDermott and that coaching staff and what they do with their team. Think about what they did to the Rams last week. This team that's been like crushing everybody and doing, you can't figure them out. And you get the one, what was it? The Hayden Hurst uh, yes. pass that 61 yard touchdown. Take the 61 yard touchdown out of the picture on the blown coverage. You're talking about a Buffalo team that, completely clamped down on this Ravens offense that nobody else could kind of figure out and would have held 17 points. That's ridiculous. So, um, and you know, what's funny is the strategy that they ran against Baltimore. They can run against Pittsburgh. What Buffalo did against Baltimore that no one has done thus far this season that I have seen is they put an, an insane amount of defensive linemen and, and people at the line of scrimmage. And just manned up across the board and said, Lamar, you're going to have to throw deep on us. And we don't think that your wide receivers and weapons can beat us straight up. But we're going to take away all of the running. And it worked. And occasionally you get bit. But that's how you beat Devlin Hodges. Look, I know that I saw you occasionally hit deep balls to James Washington. One of them was, like, insane. But, like, just get up on the line of scrimmage and say, keep doing it. Do it it eight times this game. But that's also how you compete against Josh Allen. Because we saw in the first quarter, he'll overthrow four guys. There's not a lot of quarterbacks that can make you pay all the time. Devin Hodges and Josh Allen are not those guys. Yeah, and Buffalo, you know, their weakness has been their run defense. Their run defense had been terrible on the season. But then they do all right against the Denver Broncos. And they do all right against the good run offense in the Dallas Cowboys. And they do all right against the Baltimore Ravens. So the Steelers are a team that wants to run the ball. Uh, I like Duck. I think he's better quarterback than any of the other guys that have been trotting out there. Uh, but this is a very good pass defense. And I do think that the total is warranted. I mean, I'm not going under this number, but this game's probably not going to see a ton of points. And um, I just see a lot of value in the bills as a teaser leg. That's where I'm going to wind your up. Your favorite on. is the six. Cause that would take Buffalo to eight and the chargers to eight and a half, right? Yeah. If you can, if you, if you have a two and you can get them on the six up to eight, that's what I like. And then you can get the Chargers plus eight and a half. And the six point is cheap uh, when you're teasing through the three and the seven. I might have to put my entire inheritance on that. No, no. You get, you, you know me now, by now, you, money management across the board, even on the bets that you love, because the bets that you hate end up being the ones that probably cash more often for you anyways. Um, that's so, some philosophical shit right there. Yeah, so... Steer clear of going too heavy on this. I just, for me, it's just, I won't even put a unit on this teaser. Um, But I do like this teaser. I will be taking this teaser. The uh, one guy I want to credit before we call crack is, in this Coach of the Year conversation, is Vic Fangio. I've been piping him up all week. He's 5-8 and right now. Factor in this. That game against Chicago where they got screwed by the refs at the end, in which they were able to go down and Eddie Pinero kicks a long kick, they lose that game by two. Two weeks later, they're playing Jacksonville. They're kicking Jacksonville's ass. Gardner Minshew, again, some more questionable refereeing. They're able to get down and kick a field goal. They lose that game by two. 
They're at Indianapolis. They're controlling that game. Jacoby Brissett makes the play of his life, rolling right and throwing 40 yards to T.Y. Hilton. Adam Vinatieri, who after that game has been a complete dumpster fire, somehow hits a 50-yard field goal. They lose that game by two. Six points, and the difference between this Denver's Broncos team that has played Joe Flacco, Brandon Allen, and first-year quarterback Drew Locke with a decimated O-line with Von Miller missing multiple games is six points away and three kind of bullshit kicks from being eight and five right now and competing for a playoff spot. This is a team that no one picked to get better than fourth in that division, and Vic Fangio has them as a team that I know heading into next year I'm circling as going to exceed expectations. I think Vic has done a great job this year. I will, I will wholeheartedly uh, prop you up on that and support you. Um, I agree 100%. They're a good team to bet on. And when the season kind of went off the rails a little bit, they had that big loss against uh, the Buffalo Bills. Like, this is a team that is... I wondered what this team was going to look like at the beginning of the year. You heard the stories, well, Vic doesn't like music and, you know, these different players are saying stuff and he's not a player. Like, is he going to be a player's coach or not? Because he doesn't like let us listen to music. And this has actually been a team that's (laughs) balling of late and they've got a good attitude. And when you're a losing team and you're playing well and you got a good attitude late in the season, uh, that means you're playing for your coach. That means you're not quitting on this guy. And I think that means a lot. I like him. I, I like him as a coach. Yeah. I think he's he seems like a good guy. And I'm optimistic that Locke has been playing pretty well. Um, this is a young offense right now. Very young at the receiver positions. You know who's quarter- roughing this this Denver-Kansas City game on Sunday? Cleety. Yep. Cleet's gone two overs in a row. He's course correcting. This one's at 46 right now, and the last game was 30 to 6. Remember, it was a lot of pick sixes. And Joe Flacco. I think there's going to be, I'm looking up right now, but I think there's going to be some snow in the schedule for this one. And we know that there's more scoring in snow. I might go reverse cleat and go over just because, look, Denver's going to run the ball in Kansas City. Okay, let's let's call crack. I wasn't expecting to break down that game, unless you want to add something while we're calling crack. I just want to know if you're going to send a Christmas card to Cleet. Oh, my God. It's a really good idea. You could get his information. I mean, you got everybody's. Yeah, I don't, want, I don't want his information. I would feel bad. Broncos Chiefs. Interesting one o'clock game. Chiefs favored by nine and a half. That's enormous. Hello. Hey, Karaki. What's up, Crack? Hold on, let me get you. Let me turn the volume up here. See what's going on. Why I can't hear you? Crack, did you? Do you? Do you know? Yep. Do you know how bad I made a mistake last week? I know. I know. All right. So I haven't told. I I haven't told this to Warren. So I have two things I have to admit on our betting show. Number one, I forgot to text Crack my picks. So I didn't enter any picks in the super contest. I'm an idiot. Number two, two weeks ago, I held up my Baltimore Ravens betting slip. And my winner of going eight on the year, and I put it in my backpack, and then I went to Atlanta, and I think I lost it. Oh, oh wow. I'm a fucking oh. idiot. What I do you got? What for you? No, no one knows this either. It was a perfect storm. Me, you, uh, the, the Esposito brothers, both of them, all four people forgot about the Hilton contest. Damn. All 
four of us. It's just so embarrassing. The I know. perfect storm, the perfect storm for all four of us to, to, to not get the picks in. I was sickened by it. I was I afraid know. to call or text anybody. The worst I, I part was, was the worst part was I'm watching the games and there was a game like I love Tennessee Oakland. And I go, oh, let me see how my picks are doing because I know Tennessee's winning right now. And as I opened my phone, I went, oh, no, I never texted them at all. It just, oh, my God. I didn't even know how it went down. I, I just mentally know. thought I had submitted my picks, and I did not. Wow. We talked about it this morning. We were like, I hope – I was talking about, oh, man, I got to tell him he didn't get his picks in. But I got to tell him I didn't get mine in. Uh, yeah. just, 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 it's just a perfect storm of uh, – but anyway – all right, we're still uh, confidence level still there. I'm Got a few fun. things for, for next week, and we'll see what happens. You know, uh, we just spent a good amount of while talking about the games crack, and I'm curious if you have any circled or ones that you've already put in. You know, all the wise guys are on Baltimore. I didn't get a chance to talk to Warren about this. All the wise guys on Baltimore tonight, minus 15, up to 16 and a half, even 17 in some spots. That is. Uh, Usually I don't use a Thursday night play on the card, but I'm going to actually use that on mine. All right. Well, this is coming. Uh, out, this is coming out tomorrow, so hopefully you hit. No, I'm just saying that. Like we predicted our scores. I went 33 to three. Warren went 30 to nine. What is your prediction for last night's game? Yeah. Yeah. No. No. I, I, that, that's uh, that. I, I like that score. I like. No, you have to give me. You have to give me to three. Something like that. Okay. Yeah, I like that. All right. So he's doubling up on me. All right. What else you got, Crack? Um. You know, I said this before on the show. Oh, God, this is such an embarrassment for this team. Uh, Philly is desperate for this win again <laughs> this week, uh, even though they, they, they actually did win, uh, make a good comeback, uh, second-half comeback against the Giants. Uh, I think Philly Philly needs a win. So Philly definitely needs a win, and uh, they're, they're playing for the division. Warren and I want them to win the division. Yes, and, I do, too. Uh, I'm on that as well. I, sure I didn't lose too. that ticket yet. Some some money coming in on, on Washington. They've covered the last couple of games. I guess they, I think they beat Carolina outright, and then last week they they, they were covering. They lost by six versus I think the Green Bay. They covered that game too. So they've covered some games. The public likes to only bet what they've seen lately too. It's really a big big fault of the public. They love to go off of last week's game or two weeks ago. Whatever happened. Automatically, they want to go off that game. It's not the way to handicap. It's already factored in the line, whatever happened last week or two weeks ago. Uh, let's go to the Patriot game. Well, listen, uh, again, the Patriots have been busted again for cheating. Everyone wants to talk about their defense. Well, it's easy to have their defense when you have the other team's playbook. Uh, well, you know, not their whole playbook. but So uh, the, the Pats, uh, you know, giving a lot of points here this week again. They have kind of haven't looked good. Uh, the last few few weeks, three, four weeks, whatever it may be, since Baltimore, uh, they haven't looked that well. So uh, they're being ex- not really exposed a little bit. They are who we knew they were. So I kind of I kind of think Patriots may be a, a good play for me on my card. And uh, Tennessee, let's talk about Tennessee. Tennessee is the hottest team in the league, not named Baltimore. <laughs> they have been Tannenbaum's great. Uh, he's been doing really well. Uh, I watched him myself. I usually don't watch a lot of games, but I watched him a couple games. He he is really uh, he he throws his body at the players, and usually guys go out of bounds. He's yeah, that tackle that. was awesome. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's basically this. This is basically the division. Even though I believe, and Warren would know this more, 
I think they play twice versus Houston at the end, which has got to be a scheduling mix-up or something. But Yep, two um, in the last three weeks. I think it's exciting. I love the fact that they play. They, they pretty much decide it. It is. It is. So that, that that's going to be – I think that's like one of the most exciting games of the week. Let's see what, if Tennessee can keep on a roll and keep on going. Uh, I'll give you – I'll go from that great teams to some – I don't want to say garbage teams because Miami's definitely played better. And I think Miami with three and a half points again here um, – you know, I think it might be a good – listen, I know – That's it, actually a really good game. That's, I love that game. I love what you're saying. I would never even circle that game. <laughs> Excuse me. But Brian Flores sure. has this team fighting for tooth and nail. And New York, the deflation of letting up that first half lead to the Eagles and the fact yes. that the next two days the report started coming out about the coach and the GM being in trouble, like – that was such a deflating loss, and Miami is fighting, and they just played in New York, so it's back-to-back games in New York. That's a great call. I love that bet. I love Miami on the card, and I want to put them on my parlay cards, and I'll tell you. I might money line the fuck out of that one. It, yeah. This, this may be the last game, home game for uh, Eli and probably the coach. Like you said, you're right. So good call there. <laughs> Stop. I like yeah, about for the Dolphins is the Dolphins are one of the most pass heavy in the NFL. So while like the Eagles did not have receivers, you got to check the status of Devontae Parker, of course. Right. He's the number one wide receiver right now for the Dolphins. But uh, the Eagles wanted to try to run the ball a little bit more. And that's not a good matchup against the Giants team who's really good against the run. You want to pass it. The Dolphins are the second most pass heavy team in the NFL. So Pass the ball on the uh, Giants' defense is the way to go, and they're going to be throwing the ball a lot. All right, my my dumb question for both of you as we send off crack is, is there any way for me to get that bet or the fact that I lost the ticket? Like if I have a picture of it or if I'm, they're able to find the system or when you lose a ticket, is it just lost? No, it's not. Where, where, where did you – so you have a ticket that you made a bet on and it's a winning ticket? Yeah, I did it at Caesars. I got, I took Ravens over eight for the season, and then I think I lost the physical ticket. You definitely can uh, backtrack a brick and mortar like that. I'll, I'll be instrumental in helping you there oh. uh, because I, I know, I know the guys. I know the guys that are at Caesars. I'll make sure they know uh, the guys that run Caesars. I'll make sure they know the looking for your ticket and uh oh yeah. I'll, I'll go uh, to vegas i'll stand on the bleacher report caesar's palace set i'll say that they're the greatest casino of all time and that they're men of their word i'll bow to them and salute them as greek gods whatever they need they got it if oh, i yeah. get that few hundred oh, yeah. bucks well first thing we got to do is get that get them to know to freeze the ticket because in case you lost it and someone found it they can go to the window with it. So if you lost it in the studio no. and like someone grabbed it, like I know what it is. It. it was, if it's going to be anybody, <laughs> it's a cleaning lady in the Atlanta Lowe's hotel. That's the person oh I'm worried God. about. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I was being funny. Okay. No. Great. No, no, we, we, we could definitely uh, get that ticket froze and, uh, and, and they'll, they'll <sighs> just, it takes 30 days after the season's completed with your ID and, and they'll, I've done this already. Even me. A constant professional. I have lost a ticket. So Amazing. everyone does this. Sharp squares, uh, radio personalities, uh, TV stars. We all do it. <laughs> That's awesome. 
Crack, you're awesome. Again, download the Crack Wins app. Uh, this is the time, man. Bowl season. So you got college football, college basketball, NBA. If you're getting into it and you want someone to help you get along, Crack's got your back. Thank you, guys. Have a great week, and I look forward to talking to you next week. All right. See you, buddy. All right, Crack, you. Yeah. Man. I'm so happy. I thought that there was no way I was going to get that ticket. And your reaction, Warren, is how I felt all day. I punched a wall. I, I just I just was disappointed for you. But um, Crack is, is absolutely right. I don't think you have to worry about freezing that ticket. You should. But that lady definitely threw that thing in the circular file. And I think you're probably going to be in, in good shape. With Crack's pull, uh, and he's got pull out there, you will be able to recoup your winnings. Amazing. Um, but- don't be don't be too uh, forthright with your praise. Um, we're, we're, you got to take the money and then bet it and get more of their money. Like we're not in the business of loving the sports books. We're going to try to take from the sports books. Yeah, well, the the Ravens winning ticket will pay off my Panthers losing ticket. So you know, ipso facto. Okay, ipso. Uh, Warren, pleasure as always. I wish you continued health. I hope that everything comes back great. As always, sharpfootballanalytics.com uh, and then also Sharp Football Stats if you guys want to do some research on your own. Warren, I appreciate you, brother. Anything to say to the 33% before you leave? Be good. We only got a few more Sundays left. few more Sundays left. Make them count. And then playoffs, baby. And that's when Warren's going to have a lot of time to focus on one game. It is going to be great. Warren, we can't hear you because the music's going. So I'll say for Warren Sharp, see you later. For the L-E-F-K-O-E man, well, holla, holla, holla. Enjoy your weekend. Good luck cashing those tickets.